goodness, greetings, especially to you, my friend. Welcome weer eens by die watergat, ek is Peter Woon, en ons gaan weer een gouwe uur saamkeier rondom die levende waters van Godse woord. Welcome again to the waterhole. In my last message, we took a brief look at depression, the Rottweiler from hell. Today, I want to dig just a little deeper into that subject. I also want to ask you to pray with me at the end of every message when we pray for salvations. That way, you too can be part of this radio outreach. And before we get into today's topic, let's just open in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak about your things, to do your work. We pray, Lord, that you would help us become equipped that we may deal with this issue of depression, of troubled minds, of mental illness, wherever we encounter it. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, all for your glory, Father. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, troubled minds responding to mental illness. In this message, I want to try to discover how the church can and must help those who are struggling. Mental illness is far more prevalent than many realize. With about one in three adults struggling with mental illness every year, and these are only the reported cases that we know of, there is no doubt that there are people in our churches, in our families, and in our circle around us who desperately need help, love, and support from us. Unfortunately, the church hasn't always done a great job of ministering to those affected by mental illness, either their own or a loved one's illnesses. But it doesn't have to be that way. I want us to biblically explore mental illness and what the church can do to help. Hopefully, we can also then in future clear up some of the common myths and stigmas uh, relating to mental illness. So, session one, a Christian response to a mental illness. Well, Summed up, the right action starts with the right attitude. Mental illness is a reality of life, and churches are often at the front lines of mental health care. While Christians may not realize this, people regularly approach the church because they need help in dealing with the symptoms of mental illness, their own or someone else's. We need to be ready to respond to people who need us. And this response starts 
with considering mental illness from a Christian point of view. So let's do that. Let's look what the Bible teaches about mental illness. I read a bit from Psalm 139, verse 1 to 3. Lord, you have examined me. You have known me. You know when I rest and when I am active. You understand what I am thinking when I am distant from you. You scrutinize my life and my rest. You are familiar with all my ways. Scrutinize. Scrutinize in the deepest detail. In this psalm, David tells of the exercises of his heart as he goes uh, about the ways of God. Prophetically, these are the exercises of God's people too in a time of their trouble. Psalm 139.7, Where can I flee from your spirit? Or where will I run from your presence? David begins by noting that the Lord knows him through and through. And he ends by praying that the Lord will use his knowledge and omnipotence to purify him. 139 from verse 23. God knows and sees everything about a person that is suffering with mental illness and a person that is not suffering with mental illness. There is nothing that escapes his all-seeing eye. David is deeply aware that it's not just that the Lord knows everything about him in the finest detail, but that the Lord has a relationship with David. Because God is all-knowing, we can understand that God is present in every corner of our hearts. We also know that He knows us better than we know ourselves. 1 John 3, from verse 19. I hope you're making some notes. Even the most deeply hidden places in my heart are completely in the light to God. If this worries me, I may need to confess my faulty thoughts and then ask God to show me His will and His way. That same all-knowing God protects me and covers me with His hand, which He lovingly lays upon me. Psalm 139.5 He has enclosed me behind and before. By From behind, we can also think of our past and by before of our future. Sometimes thoughts of our past can attack us and thoughts of the future can attack us. Then he places himself between us and in front of us. He places himself behind us and in front of us between us and the past and us and the future. In doing this, he says, as it were, that the past is in his hand and has been made good through the work of his Son. And as for the future, that too is in his hand. By the same work of his Son, 
we shall be with him forever, and he with us. Next, he lays his hand upon me, with which he says to me, You are mine. Matthew 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he was deeply moved with compassion for them, because they were troubled and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Everywhere Jesus goes, he teaches, proclaims, and heals. He does so with the greatest concern and compassion, because he knows how much these sheep of God have been exposed to fears and to dangers. He sees them as distressed and dispirited, anxious and depressed. Matthew 14, 14, when he, Jesus, got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion for them and healed their sick. You see, Beloved, God is not angered by your depressed state. Over and over we see that He is a God who has compassion on us, mirchful, empathy, because He has experienced all we go through and He understands us. This is such a relief to us who live in this modern performance-driven rat race of a world. So you can know then how God sees you. Session two. Why then so much suffering? Summed up, Christians can find hope and meaning in mental illness and in other hardships. Really? Why do we suffer? This question isn't easy to answer, but it doesn't have to threaten our faith. I have answered it at length in previous messages, the tests and trials and the seasons of life. They don't have to threaten our faith. One of the reasons mental illness and other forms of suffering feel like threats to faith is because many Christians have bought into the lie, the philosophy, knowingly or unknowingly, that we shouldn't suffer in this life as believers, that it's normal to be happy and healthy all the time. Well, in this second session of ours, when we get to it, a look at scripture will show us a different perspective. Kom ons luister eers bykie muziek en dan praat ons verder. Welkom terug, jy is nog steeds ingeskakel, hier by die watergat op Ad Radio. I am Peter Warren and today we are asking, can we prevent depression? And the truth is we can see it coming and take necessary steps to avoid it. There are six key principles to note. I want to ask you, please make a note of these for when we pray at the end of this message. Number one, 
Never allow unconfessed sin to remain. Sin easily brings depression. Number two, not all depression is sin. Christ knew anguish when he wept over Jerusalem. Job did not sin against God, but he knew great depression. If grief is turned inward, it will result in depression. Look to God and he will replace our grief with joy. He just showed me two days ago that that's what he's done with me. Point number three. We are physical and spiritual beings. Overcommitment and fatigue, neglect of rest, exercise, proper diet can all lead to depression. Neglect of spiritual life, worship, Bible study, meditating on the word and prayer will do the same. Physical life and spiritual life, disciplines must be in place. Number four, when we encounter a problem, we need to identify the cause and seek the right solution as soon as possible. When unsolved problems are neglected and piled up, we become overwhelmed. Number five, there is therapy in reaching out to others in need. Instead of dwelling on our inner pain, look outward. Your trial will give you special sensitivity to others who are hurting, and you can be an expression of Christ's love to them. This is why you must stay connected to a local church body, where believers show concern and minister to one another. And point number six, a person who practices forgiveness will know freedom from the stress of bitterness and resentment. We dealt with that in our previous message. That person has learnt what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 reads as follows. No temptation has overtaken you that is unusual for human beings. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your strength. Instead, along with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. In every storm, you have to find Jesus and you have to find the way that he has put in place for you to manage what he wants you to learn. Kom ons luister een beetje muziek, dan gaan zelfs ons weer. Welcome back to the Watering Hole. I'm Peter Warren and we are asking, How do Christians find hope and meaning in mental illness and hardships? I want to read a passage from Numbers 21. Selected verses between 4 and 9. After this, they travelled from Mount Hor along the caravan route by way of the Sea of Reeds and went around the land of Edom. But when the people got impatient because it was a long route, 
they complained against the Lord and the Mo- and Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food and water, and we're tired of this worthless bread, speaking of God's manna provision. You see, grumbling in your tent, <laughs> not a good idea. In response, the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people to bite them. As a result, many people of Israel died. Then the people approached Moses and admitted, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and you. Pray to the Lord that he will remove the serpents from us. They even tell the Lord uh, what he must do. Then the Lord instructed Moses, Make a poisonous serpent out of brass and fasten it to a pole. Anyone who has been bitten and who looks at it will live. Beloved, it must be well understood that the wilderness of trials and all that go with it is the place where we are freed from the power of the enemy. The picture of the cross must come alive before us again. If we can't appreciate that, there will be grumbling. The people were grumbling about the bread of life, God's provision, and thereby despised it. The plague of the fiery serpents made them discover that sin still dwells in them. And then for the first time in the book of Numbers, we hear the people say, we have sinned. This is the first time they confess guilt. So, beloved, please do not find yourself guilty of grumbling against God. The Lord gives an outcome for their situation. There is a way. But in a way that their salvation is connected to the faith of the people. It's always going to take faith. What is God wanting you to step out in, to learn, to do? Moses has to make a bronze serpent and put it on a standard, on a pole. A single look at the lifted up fiery serpent is enough to be healed. That's an act of faith in obedience. No look, no healing. The Lord Jesus later explains to Nicodemus the spiritual significance of this event. He says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So in our sufferings and our trials and our depressed state, the cross must come alive before us again. Position yourself in the shadow of the cross and stay there. Keep your eyes on it. It is the only thing that gives meaning to your situation. The Word explains it in this way. Romans eight twenty two to 25 We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly groan 
as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So, because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. Beloved, if you're a child of God, then you're an heir of God as well. An heir is someone who receives property from someone else. God is the owner of all creation. He will give his property to you when you are glorified with Christ. Christ is the heir and you are a fellow heir with him. Erfgenom Whatever you receive, it is always in connection with Christ. This includes suffering. If you suffer with him, it proves you possess the new life. You are sharing in his suffering. And here we're talking about the kind of suffering that our Lord Jesus knew when on earth. And that too we've dealt with in our last message. Beloved, don't you long for that day, for that moment when the inheritance, the creation, will again be in the hands of its rightful owner? Paul did. He was looking forward to the future glory he was going to see. The suffering he had to bear was nothing compared with the future glory. For us, this is an encouraging lesson. The more this glorious future becomes a reality to you, the more you will be able to patiently bear the unpleasant things you are currently experiencing. Romans 8, 35-38. What a scripture. Just let this wash over you. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written, All day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens.
Na hierdie volgende stukje muziek gaan ons verder praat. Welkom terug by die watergat. Ek is Peter Warren en jy is ingeskakel op Ad Radio. We are talking about mental illness and the church's responsibility. Session 3 summed up, we are part of the solution to this health crisis. One of the hallmarks of God's people should be our commitment to truth. While we may not always agree on all aspects of what is truth, we can be united in our dedication to pursue truth rather than hide away rather than hide away in fear or sleep under a blanket of wishful thinking. The church cannot afford to ignore mental illness. Mental illness is so common, it affects nearly everyone. Have you been affected? Do you know? Do the people around you know? And responding to suffering of all kinds is part of the work we are called to do. As people who are called to spread love and hope, we have to step out and offer what only the people of God can offer. So let's consider the church's role in healing and offering hope. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 2.15 For we are the aroma of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We have to preach Christ to suffering people, for only Christ can heal them. This is love in action. Christians must replace false beliefs and stereotypes about mental illness and replace them with truth. The stigma attached to mental illness is based on both fear and misinformation. John 9 is an example, 1 to 3. Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness, his own or the sin of his parents? So Jesus answered, Neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. We need to get our perspective right. Let's look um, in our last session how the church is called to help with mental illness. Summed up, pursuing our God-given mission means helping hurting people in every situation. Many people who sit in church on Sunday mornings don't spend a lot of time thinking about the church's mission and purpose. 
But the church's mission is also every Christian's mission. And it should guide the life of everyone who calls Jesus Lord. Our previous message, we spoke of living missionally. Let's look briefly at the church's mission and consider how that mission applies to relationships with people affected by mental illness. Matthew 5.13 Your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. Or how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. You and I, beloved, are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We need to accurately represent that kingdom, its values, and especially its king. Accurately represent it. Salt prevents something, and light shows and reveals something. The danger of salt is that it loses its taste. The danger for light is that it is extinguished by a basket. That is to say that there is no testimony in the world because one is too busy with earthly things. How are you doing, beloved? In that challenge. We let light shine, not so much through what we say, but through what we do. The commendable things mentioned in the scripture are not works of charity for others, but are upright, honorable works. It is not about the effect of the works, but their nature. These good works have their source in the Father in heaven. They spread light and glorify him. Can they hear Jesus in your voice? Can they see him in the love in your eyes? Can they feel him in your gentle touch? Can they know his compassion in your compassion and concern? Can they see Jesus in you? When people see these good works, they will, instead of saying, oh, what a good person, they will glorify the father of that person. Your saltiness will give even depressed people a taste of heaven, and your light will draw them to Jesus, their only hope. But you're going to have to tell them about Jesus. I find in this modern stage that you can't just tell people, but you can through these things that I've mentioned. You can eventually earn the right to speak into their lives. 
They will come to you and ask you, what is it that you have that I don't have? I want what you've got. And you can say, well, his name is Jesus. Let me take you to him. When it comes to a topic like mental illness, it's easy to focus on pain and struggle and to lose sight of the good work God can do in any circumstance. Believing in God's redemption sometimes requires tremendous trust in the midst of overwhelming pain. But God can redeem mental illness. You see, our trust in God is not without reason. We can see examples of God's redemption all around us if we pay attention, if we listen, if we don't people don't write people off because they are um, mentally ill or they are depressed and they're in a gloomy place. Don't write them off. Go in there with them. The essence of vital communication is not for them to come to you, but for you to go there where they are, like Jesus did. He didn't come call us to come to heaven. He came to earth, to where we're at, so he could know what we go through. We have more than one reason for hope, even when life seems hopeless. God can redeem mental illness. Beloved, he did it for me. He has done it for countless others. He will do it for you. So as we come to the end of our time today, I want to encourage you. Never mind where you are and where you're at. If you honestly, truly call out to God, and surrender control. He will meet you where you at as you are. And he will help you if you will let him. The challenge, beloved, do you believe that God can answer this prayer today and change your life? If so, will you make a life-changing decision Right here, right now. Invite the Lord into your circumstances and ask Him to help you. Stop fighting with Him and just get ready to rest in Him, to receive what He gives you and to obey what He tells you. And most of all, thank Him for what He is going to do in answer to this prayer, because no prayer is left unanswered. I remind you, as I always do, you're not designed to be defeated. You were designed to live victoriously in overcoming as juicy salt and a bright light, showing people the way, keeping them from the rot of the world. Jy is verwinning ontwerp. You are more than a conqueror. Jesus conquered and you walk 
that conquered out. You walk it out. That conquering. Kom ons luister nog muziek. Want ons terugkom. Gaan ons bid. Now Holy Spirit I ask. That you please come. You are here. You are our paraclete. Our comforter. Our burden bearer. Our helper. You are the one. Who comes alongside. To help us carry our burdens. We do not have to carry this heavy load all by ourselves. Will you come and help us today, empower us to cast our burden upon you, to just throw it out to sea and let it go? Will you empower us today to just let these things fall and to sink back into your arms? Beloved, I ask you, are you suffering like we've spoken of? Can you apply the six key principles I gave you? I hope you made a note of them. Let's ask God to redeem your illness. He says in his word, we don't get because we don't ask. Well, how great is your God? Let's do a great ask of a great God today. If you're too weak to pray, I'm going to pray for you on your behalf. And in your heart, you can just say, yes, please, Lord. Amen. Do you have great concern and deep compassion for those who are suffering? Or do you tend to write them off through a lack of knowledge? Are you ignorant of these things? Do you need to make a point of finding out the truth? Let's ask God to help us Help others who are in need. And lastly, if you're sitting there and you've heard this message, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you know your life is not right and you need to make right with Him, well, you can do that this very day. But you're going to have to have a talk with Jesus. So I encourage you, you can sit there and you, I don't put words in your mouth because there's no formula to this stuff. This is about a relationship with Jesus who is alive. And you can ask him, Jesus, if you are real, will you reveal yourself to me in a way that I'll know it's you and that you love me? And then you, you need to talk to him about your life. You can say something like, Lord, I've been living my life my way because I didn't know any better. I didn't know your way. But I want that to stop today. I want to make right with you and with everybody around me. I want to make right with me 
And so, Lord, I ask you, will you forgive me all my wrongdoings, even as I forgive all those who have done me wrong, even as I forgive you, God, for the things I falsely accused you of, and even as I forgive myself for having responded the way I did. Beloved, you need to get to a place where you love yourself. Will you say to yourself today, Self, I forgive you and I love you. And then you can say, Jesus, will you come into my life as my King, as my Savior, reign as Lord of my life in every area. Connect me to the right people that can lead me further down this road. Disconnect me from the wrong people. Restore to me the destiny and the identity that you have always had for me. And now, Jesus, I thank you for your answer in this prayer. And now, beloved, let us all pray. If you are suffering from this terrible illness, myself and the other listeners are going to pray with you now on your behalf. Father, we ask on behalf of our loved ones, will you please redeem their illness? Will you turn it, work it to the good? Will you take glory from it? Will you turn it from a destructive work to a building up work that they may be able to shine and to be salt of the earth again? Would you draw them out of this dark, gloomy place, this pit of suffering where they find themselves. Lord, I shine your light of truth, of love and compassion into their darkness now, knowing that the darkness cannot overcome the light and must flee from it. So depression, you go now. I command it in the name of Jesus Christ. And life and joy, you come. Holy Spirit, please touch our loved ones now. Fill them with your love and your joy that remains. And Lord, we ask that you would help us come to a knowledge of the truth that we may know more about the subject that we can help those in need. And Father, we thank you today for all of these things. In Jesus' name, Amen. Flight, flight, mysterious eight. Thank you for the care. Till we meet again, start it all. Remember, you are writing the last chapter of your life. Go for it. <laughs>